0: This is Upfront on the Voice of America. I'm Jackson Vungani in Washington. Thank you so much for joining us. Legendary South African singer and guitarist, Jonathan Butler has released his first album in eight years. The album is titled Ubuntu. The whole album was was realized in South Africa, was recorded
1: in South Africa with South African musicians. I I like to say when a man comes of age,
0: He wants to be among his people. He Mm -hmm. wants to be surrounded by his people. That is Jonathan Butler. He joins me to talk about his new project and what the philosophy of Ubuntu means to him. And of late, there has been a growing interest in African cultural products on the continent and in the global north, from music to art to fashion. However, many are asking, how do we leverage this interest into more revenue for African creatives?
2: I feel every single creative should have representation to start with first, before you think about monetizing.
0: That is Sheila Dele, the head of music at Bomb Shelter Digital Services. It is a distribution publishing company that caters to the development of independent creative artists in Africa. But first, as always, we want to hear from you, our listeners. We asked you a question that is in the spirit of Ubuntu. I am because you are. The question is, if you make it in life, if you're successful, do you feel an obligation to help out your family and friends? Here is what you say. I usually send money to my family and relatives once a month. And I don't really necessarily expect them to give back any money to me. So I hardly receive money from my relatives. And I just feel that once you've made it in life, once you've made it successfully, it's always a good gesture to always appreciate each and every single person that just stood by you, especially family. Actually, it's once or twice a month me receiving money or sending both ways, I should say. Yes, so if I make it in life, I would still love if I would send my, my relatives back home some money. At least they could make plans and budget for themselves rather than me. By them, buying them something and sending it to them, they would still expect to get money from me. I send money to my relatives and friends whenever they need it. The last time I received money from my relatives is when I was at school. I used to receive money in terms of fees and pocket money. Many thanks to all of you for your opinions. This is Upfront on The Voice of America. I'm Jackson Vonganyi. South African music icon Jonathan Butler has been singing professionally since the age of seven. He made history in his country as the first black artist to be played on white radio, that is during apartheid. At the time, Butler's music provided hope and relief to the millions of black South Africans who were living under difficult and oppressive conditions. These included former South African President Nelson Mandela. After his release from prison, Mandela met Butler and told him that listening to his music had actually helped him endure time in prison. Jonathan Butler just released his first album in eight years. He titled it Ubuntu, an African philosophy that means I am. Because you are. He joins me from California to talk about the inspiration behind the title and why he chose to record the album in his hometown back in South Africa. Jonathan, thank you so much for joining us today. You know, just like your music, you do not edge. You look good. It's so good to see you. (laughs) Thank Uh, you, man. Thank you. Let's talk about your new project, Ubuntu. Yeah. Uh, talk about the title Ubuntu, a distinctly African concept. Why did you choose this title, and how how does music represent this concept? Well, you know, I to be honest with you,
1: I I you know, I went back home. I went back to my roots. You know, I I went with this album. I went back to my roots, and Ubuntu is is a way of life in Africa. It's uh, it's also something that I that I was taught through. Taught by uh, uh, the Archbishop Tutu, who I spent some time with, who I uh, I was really honored to spend time with him and his family, and and got to know him and and got to listen to his teachings, and um, and I and I just think the album title, the 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 album title, the song of Ubuntu was first called Black Rain, because it um, the the death of George Floyd inspired me to to call it Black Rain because i saw that as black tears for uh for another um, you know another moment in our history seeing something live on tv but um marcus miller had a song on the album called silver rain and i he said hey you know we may have to change the title but in my heart i already knew it was going to be called ubuntu mm-hmm. i just had to tell the label and i had to just share this 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 philosophy and this understanding with everybody mm. that this is what Ubuntu means. Ubuntu it means you know humanity towards others. You know, I am because you are we are interconnected together. Um and everywhere I've been and I and I probably have been exercising this and doing this throughout my whole life, you know, and it's just what makes me who I am. So this record was really For me, a a real, you know, um, coming back full circle, I recorded what you see behind me here. These gold records were recorded in 1973. Wow. I was 12 years old when I won these and this little box here, that's my Grammy Award from South Africa in 1973. So. I've come full circle. I and I got the honor to be to have Marcus Miller agree to produce it. The whole album was was realized in South Africa, was recorded in South Africa with South African musicians. And so it really is, you know, me coming full circle, going back to my roots um and I, you know, I I I really appreciate the different genres, you know, uh accepting my music over the years. But this is really something for me, it's a statement of, you know, um I, I like to say when a man comes of age, he wants to be among his people. Mm-hmm. He wants to be surrounded by his people. He wants to eat the food, he wants to have those conversations. He wants and to I feel the like I yeah. And I want to be, you know, and I just feel like this record is that album that really is the
0: line in the sand, like, you know. It's beautiful uh, when you hear these uh, full circle moments. It's, you know, just great to be alive, to realize a full circle moment, that it's a privilege many people take for granted. But let's talk about your headspace when you're making this album. Is there something about the pandemic that elevated this concept of a book yes. for you and for us as a global community that was suffering together? Yes I, I
1: I I think during the pandemic especially because I had I had collaborated with a lot of different musicians and arts and songwriters but the pandemic itself was a was um you know there, it was a stronghold uh, it had a stronghold on me and like like many things I take in very personally so uh during the pandemic you know I we watched we watched the lynching of, of George Floyd we we watched and witnessed millions of people dying daily dying you know and we suddenly we are we are all in in, in poorest position the world is stopped music stopped the topics was what i was looking for i was looking for something to say during the pandemic about the pandemic mm-hmm. and and also the the last 4 years of the racial divide in america which really kind of took me back to South Africa when I was a kid, growing up with whites-only signs, and, and 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 wanting desperately to have the conversation with my white counterparts, musicians, mm-hmm. to say, you probably have a blind spot. Not, you don't know that you have white privilege. But can we have a conversation? Why this happened to George Floyd, and why is this impacting me so much, that the death mm-hmm. of so many people, uh, and also close friends of ours, so I reached out to musician to songwriters, and we wrote, uh, um, you know, When Love Comes In. I wrote that with Tommy Sims, who wrote uh, If I Could Change the World uh, for Eric Clapton and Tears in Heaven. And I knew this brother would come up with something that um, would mean something that I want to say. That
0: would come to the moment. What for you
1: want to say in that moment. And for, yeah. for that moment, I wanted to say what I wanted to say on this album. Yeah. And I think maybe... If I'm the only artist speaking out um uh or 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 expressing his emotions or his feelings about what's happening in the world, the current state that we're in, I think that's something that has changed for me also, being a 62-year-old guy coming up. It's like I know that I have a, a responsibility. And like my brother, big brother Stevie Wonder said to me one day, he said, you know, we we must try to change the world, you know, we have to try to change the world. Mm-hmm. And I'm hoping that, you know, within this album people can hear that um, there's a lot of hope, there's a lot of light, but there's also lots of moments where I share about about the the space that I was in during
0: COVID. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know. And and you know, Jonathan, you might be sixty-two years old, but your energy, your 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 vibe, your aura, you you look way more younger, you sound more younger, you still have the same energy from many, many years ago. And you know, I, I wanna take you back again, back back in time, as a twelve year old in in apartheid South Africa, when you won that local Grammy. Yeah. Uh, what was South Africa like at the time? Oh so- man, it was it it was
1: it was so racist, it was so uh, it was so uh segregated and you know to to and it was so sensitive, everything was sensitive. And to be the youngest black kid, kid to win a Grammy in in a room full of Africano whites, English whites, and, and there was a black artist as well. Uh, to win the Grammy and to kind of walk down the steps and receive it out of the hands of uh, Miss World, she was at the time. And she leaned over to give me a kiss on my cheek as she was handing me over the Grammy. And I remember the very next day, you know, or or that same night, actually, walking the corridors of uh, the SABC television station and hearing some kids you know, saying, hey, man, here's that here's that cover boy that just won the Grammy. You know, I could hear them speak about me. Mm-hmm. Um, nothing changed, man. I I, I took the, my award and I was, still went back home, you know.
0: We should but, say that the award, the, the award was for the song, the, that, that song was the first song to be played on white radio. That was the, was the first time to play it on white radio. That's the, Stay. the kind of history we are talking about. Yeah, here.
1: that's yeah. the two gold records from that, Please Stay. And so, you know, I mean, I still went back to my shack right? And the house with and- all of this, with all of this, you know,
0: <laughs> I mean, while all the awards people- and the accolades and the fame, you still went back to... I still went back to the shack
1: that had no electricity, no water, yeah. running water. And it was like being a local hero in your community and in your city and even in the nation. You know, and- what is so incredible about that whole, this whole story we talked about, because just a year ago... I went back to Cape Town and a year ago, I bought my very first home in the city that I was born in, wow. that I couldn't live anywhere, where there was an outhouse for my toilet and no electricity. So man, I am I, I would wake up
0: every morning and see the mountains it and just have a moment of silence. In case you're just joining us, this is Upfront on the Voice of America. I'm Jackson Vongani. We're chatting with South African singer, songwriter, and guitarist Jonathan Butler. Butler gained international recognition in the 80s with many collaborations and billboard chart-topping songs. He collaborated with artists including Quincy Jones and Michael Jackson. We're talking about his new album, Ubuntu. I want to ask you this again, going back to that moment many years ago, how how did fame coming at such a young age in a segregated country like South Africa. How was it to be a celebrity in a country where you are considered a second-class citizen?
1: Man, it was very difficult. It was very hard because, like I said, you lived in your township. That's where you had to go back home to. And you were the hero there. People loved me, you know, Mm -hmm. my my, And I think there was a a real struggle, a, a struggle between being successful and famous, and parents that never had, you know. I worked for my parents since I was six years old. So, I, my when when I when you have so many people depending on you, mm-hmm. and uh, it 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 changed the way I looked at fame. It changed the way I felt about it. As a matter of fact, actually, I got more angry about it, you know, because nobody wasn't, there was nobody in my shoes, Mm. you know, so I, I belonged, I belonged to the record company that made the money. Yeah. And I belonged to my parents who wants the money. So, um, the only thing that was left for me was just to get, was to figure out how to get high. And so I did that. I Mm -hmm. got high. I, I started, you know, really, really getting into drugs and, and, um, it was a way for me to escape that kind of stuff and it was a way for me to not um you know because there was just so much i mean we made a record
0: pressure there was um, yeah i mean my mother
1: depended you know my mother wanted that money that was that was it my brothers and sisters they 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 reaped the benefits of
0: that um and, and oh. partly, again, I wanted to ask you, I mean, you, you you were born, for those who don't know, you were born in a musical family. Uh, did, did you feel like, uh, you know, singing was a natural trajectory for you to take? Or was it an obligation to the family? or just no, it, was natural.
1: A I, it was the natural. It was natural because it was, there was just so much music and it was in me too, you know. And as a matter of fact, when I was talking to my brothers and sisters recently, I was in Cape Town in February and March. And you know, my one brother Danny, he looked at me and he said, You know, you are where I was supposed to be. And my brother said, I now believe how hard you've worked. And I thought to myself, What do you mean you now believe? I've been working since I was six years old. Right. Are <laughs> what are you are you missing? Are you are you select like Chris Rock says? Did you do not you see all body work? <laughs> do you have selective memories, you know? Um, and and um yeah I just remembered that you know I I uh, looking back on that I was a property of the record company mm. that's how they operated their business we were all properties that made money for the company and there's our parents there's my parents who's standing in the wings waiting for the checks and so all I had to do was be dressed up and ready to before. and we made one record a day so we would cut 10 tracks in one wow. day and it would be done and then you know two months later we were on the road touring for six months or eight months we we're on the road so i lost my you know i lost my uh my voice very young i lost um you know i lost many things at a very young age your childhood really i mean if you're working at such a young
0: age you don't have time to be a child to be
1: yeah i I was never a child i was always the person that people depended on um and sometimes that can be way that weighs heavy on, on on that weighs heavy on me because you know because all i ever thought about the only thing i could think about was the money i make is not mine belongs to other people. Mm. So I, therefore, I never valued money. I do, I value, I do value being on stage. I do value making people happy. That mm. is very, that to me is- That's, is that's like your
0: purpose. Good. You find your purpose, purpose, I guess, in, in, in a way. Life.
1: So that makes me feel the most safest when I'm mm. on stage, you know? Yeah.
0: Now, and here we are on, you know, over 40 years, a year later, with all this body of work, um, you had a song on your 2010 album. Uh, the album was titled So Strong. Uh, yeah. I can see clearly now it's a rendition of the no- Johnny Nash song, yeah. uh, whether it's a Jimmy Cliff song or Johnny Nash. I wanted to ask you, where are you in your career now? Are you seeing clearer now after being part of this global music industry for this long? Well, what does this much experience mean for you as a creative? You know, when
1: I went back home this last few months, I think I kind of saw the end game, I saw the end uh, end game, and that is to empower and enrich and uplift South African musicians. I don't have to compete. I don't need to compete, even if I never sold a record. I feel like, just like any, you know, for an example, my hard drive should be put into somebody else's computer so that they can learn from you know they can learn how to be better musicians artists writers composers um arrangers um engineers um, i really want to give back at this point in my life i seem i see my role much more in that capacity uh i mean not ne- never never ne- i'm never going to stop singing and playing music um but I feel like my my role at you know I feel there's a part of me that that really yearns to be home um i yearn I long to be back in Africa, and I long to i want to get busy with the youth, which is what I do when I'm there.
0: Jonathan Badlis, thank you so much for taking time. I must acknowledge that Bini Gang is going strong today. <laughs> You're looking good. <laughs> yeah,
1: man, I was I was thinking, should I wear the red one or should I wear this one? So,
0: I, I, we I got think game. it plays off really well. You know, the We got game, baby. We got game. This
1: is it, yeah.
0: The world needs to see uh, This Absolutely. is what the world needs to see. <laughs> Absolutely, my friend. That was South African singer, songwriter, and guitarist, Jonathan Butler. He joined me from California. This is Upfront on the Voice of America. I'm Jackson Vonganyi. Let's take a quick break. We'll be right back. We're bringing women's voices to the conversation on things that matter to hearts and minds of women. We are here at Kalewe Market, Uganda, Kampala, where in this whole market, women are crying
2: situations change
0: with strong opinions and expertise on things that impact and
2: change their lives here in kinshasa campaigns to raise awareness against the spread of coronavirus are common but getting that information to people who have no access to water electricity or money can be a challenge
0: from right here in the nation's capital to on the ground from all over the African continent.
2: I think a big thing
0: for me is just being able to say that when these protests are happening, uh, does it turn around into policy? We hear your voices, women's voices, our voices. And add your voice to the conversation. Each week, right here on The Voice of America. Check your local TV listings. And we're back. This is Upfront on The Voice of America, I'm Jackson Vonganyi. Now, regardless of where you're located in the world, if you have been listening to urban radio or interacting with any popular digital media platform, you will no doubt hear an African sound or watch a music video by an African artist, likely wearing an African print. Now, the growth in popularity of African cultural products like music, art, and film can be attributed to several factors, including a young population, Africa is the youngest continent, other factors include improved internet connectivity and a growing middle class on the continent. However, even as we see this growing global interest and consumption of African cultural products, questions remain on how African creatives can leverage this interest to drive more revenue for themselves and for the continent as a whole. Oluwa Sheila Dele is the founder and head of music at Bomb Shelter Digital Services, a distribution and publishing company that helps develop independent creative artists in Africa. He tells me that one of the few missing links is the lack of knowledge by artists on where to find opportunities to grow their revenue. You start off by asking you what it takes for an artist, an African artist, or an African creative, whether it's musician, whether it's a fashion, whatever their, their, their work is, their talent is, how do they make money right now, in this day and age, when there's so much interest, global interest, in, in, in African cultural products?
2: Hello, Jackson. I'll start off by saying, I'm your guy. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, um... Um, you asked a very important question about how our creatives in our territory leverage to make money right now. And I'll tell you that we thank God for the internet, social media, technology as a whole. Um, I think right now, um, because of the mobile phone, the opportunities are actually endless for how we can monetize content right now you can chop content up in different forms and actually place them on different medias by medias i mean take for example a uh, sub-saharan africa we have color back tones on the mobile network operators that we put out content on we have um, the dsp's digital service providers spotify youtube etc cetera, etc cetera. we have tiktok that is a huge marketing tool in my own um, in my own opinion we have snapchat we have YouTube that has helped promote and monetize aeons of content. Mm. I mean, it is... And I mean, all
0: these other pl- uh, streaming platforms.
2: It, it is huge. Music, you know? It's huge now. Yeah. And now the introduction of AI is going to take this to another oh, that's level. that's a very
0: interesting topic. Yeah. Like, we don't want to get into AI right now. <laughs> but yeah, so as an African artist, an African creative, you're saying that there are all these different opportunities that they can tap into to start making money off of their creation. But what is stopping them? What are some of the reasons why we have not seen the money coming back to the continent, into the pockets of these people who are actually putting in the work?
2: Knowledge and education, I'll tell you. There's a huge gap. There's a very huge gap in knowledge. I mean, we are very creative people. We have talent. But we do not like to seek knowledge, to be honest. Educative knowledge. That's the only missing link. And one of the things we are trying to do here at Bomb Shelter is to. We actually do put out content to sensitize the growing community of independent artists that we have. If you go to www.bombshelterent.com, you'll find a huge resource for the type of education you need. As a creative independent, to push your content so it actually starts generating revenue for you.
0: What is the potential? What is the market potential? And also, what does that this I guess new stream of revenue present for our when we talk about economic development of our countries?
2: They say content is a new crude. You know, new crude our, oil, one hundred percent. So the, the thing about our territory and um, you know. I, I, I hope I am not um, you know misinterpreted with um, this particular statement. We do not we other people exploit our content. We 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 rarely harness what we have. We are blessed in the ground and even in the people too as well, with culture. Even this whole boom of Afrobeats, there's a, it's it's actual the backbone of Afrobeats is the culture. So the truth about it is that um, we aren't tapping into our resources properly. We have a wealth, a huge wealth of culture, resources, talents, and, you know, raw music, creativity. I mean, even from, I mean, when I say creativity, I'm just not speaking music as a whole. You know, we have fashion, we have you know, the 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 industry where the, what's that thing called again? When when, when the the creative industry where you, you like actually pot- use your hand, like pottery. Yeah, and, pottery. Yes. Yeah, like, you know, it's there's a whole lot of stuff coming yeah. out of our continent. Mm. And believe it or not, these things can be exported to actually bring in revenue. Mm. And one of the and things...
0: And b- one of the things, I guess, I'm sorry to cut you off, uh, is that I've seen many of these products end up on, in the U.S. Mm-hmm. here, in the diaspora market. There, there are people here who appreciate it. And they will buy it, but I feel like the money goes mostly to the middleman the person who has found it on the street somewhere in Lagos and he buys it for like five or ten naira and uh-huh. brings it here and sells it for a thousand dollars. You know what I'm saying? So, so <laughs> <laughs> do, you, do you see what I 100? Yeah. So,
2: to be honest, um, like I said initially, I, I the education starts there mm. because with your representation, which I like to call a structure, you would be set up who deal well, you wouldn't have that kind of middleman that will be standing in between you and giving you peanuts mm. to actually sell your stuff. Mm. properly.
0: that's that's a good point. Uh-huh. Representation, yeah. But Olu, somebody will say, like, say these beads. I'm, I'm showing I'm uh-huh. showing you my beads mm-hmm. that I bought are, are on the beaches of the Atlantic in Accra, Ghana. Mm-hmm. I found this guy who does them, mm-hmm. sells them to tourists. How does he know what representation looks like? Even where does even it begin?
2: Okay, so that's where people like you and I come in, Jackson. You know, where we need people like you and I who have, you know, opportunity to travel around the world, who I'd like to call custodians of the creative industry and indeed the economy in our mm. territory. Or ambassadors. Or ambassadors. Yeah. I'll say people like you and I have a lot of work to do in reaching our people to provide this representation you speak about. And who to, understand who the understand value. the value. Yeah, and so, have the goodwill. One hundred percent to actually help with these things. And I and, and I'll tell you there are not a lot of us to be honest too. So, so so one of the things we need to do is actually um, you know, encourage the young growing entrepreneurs in our territory to say, Hey guys, it's a big pool out there and right now it's better to look inwards, into the territory, export that content, and use it to bless our people. Absolutely. Yeah. Blessings for everybody. Blessings all <laughs> yeah. Who's my guy? You're my guy. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Jackson. That was
0: Oluwasei Ladele, the founder and head of Bomb Shelter Digital Services. He joined me in studio here at The Voice of America. And with that, we come to the end of our show today. Many thanks to our guests and to you for tuning in. Let's connect here same time again next week. I'm Jackson Vonganyi. Have a great week ahead, Africa.